And a pleasant good evening, Mets fans, and welcome back to the Pleasant Good Evening Podcast. My name's Sam Lebowitz, his name is Jack Hendon, and we are joined by a very, very special guest. We'll get to him in just a moment. Spring training is underway officially. We have games this week. The Mets are playing their first game today. If you're listening on the day that this drops on Monday, they will play at 110 against the Marlins 105 if you want to get technical from, from Jupiter. That game's not on TV. We don't care about that game. We care about the game more on Tuesday because that one's being televised. But Jack... Let's introduce our guest, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so we have, we're, we're, we're going to be bringing Dylan Hornick on. Uh, this, is a huge, this is a huge deal for us. Uh, Dylan has been plugging away on Twitter for the last few months. He's gone by all sorts of monikers through the years. There was Dillmonger. Uh, there was Freddie Benson. I mean, we still call him Freddie Benson. This is still kind of like an iCarly uh, spinoff thing we're doing right here. So it's pretty exciting. Right now, he's going to be uh, doing the social work for uh, Bet MGM, right? Bet MGM. And, That's correct. All right, awesome. And so he starts that. He actually starts that tomorrow. Or if you're listening to this today, he starts it today. So first of all, congratulations on that. Uh, really excited to you know see you off and watch that get started because they don't know what they're getting. It's going to be a lot of a lot of good content. Uh, yeah, a lot of good content. But yeah, Dylan, uh, what's welcome to the on? show, fellas. Yeah. It's great to be here. Uh, Jack, thank you for the uh, rousing introduction. Introduction. Jeez, I'm nervous. You guys are uh, you guys are the, the the best of the best here. You're you got me on my A game. Oh, um, too. I'm nervous too. But yes, this is Dillmonger, Homar Manaya, Freddie Benson, uh, the miseducation of Lauren Dill. That's right, Dylan Hornick. It's me. I'm pumped to be here. The king of Mets Twitter, the man who Whoa. doesn't listen. I am not the king. Oh, you are. The clown prince, are. maybe. I'm not the king. All right. There's a there's a conversation of rich staff or still in Hornick in my mind that plays out sometimes. The Mount Rushmore, yeah. I'd say it's I, not yeah. It's you guys don't miss, you know. Green man, Meek Phil, Dylan Hornick. I'll take there's, I'll take a I'll take a, a Mount Rushmore position next to those guys. I'll take that. There's just no misses. And if you see good tweets coming from from that MGM, they're they're absolutely gonna be his. So the bad ones are not mine. Yes. He's on a staff. It's not all him. It's, it's not. Yeah. The, the bad ones are someone else. Blame someone else. Right. So we're recording this on February 28th. It is, it is about 6.18 at night here uh, from me from Syracuse and Jack and Dylan from elsewhere, not Syracuse. Uh, but you guys, this is dropping on obviously Monday as we normally do things, which is March 1st, which is the day that Dylan starts his job. It's also the day the Mets play baseball for the first time. And that's pretty cool. That's cool. That's really cool, and we're going to talk about that and kind of preview the first televised game, which is, in our minds, it's kind of the more important one because that's the one we can watch with our own, our own eyeballs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for, for the moment, we're going to start talking about like what's been going on in Mets camp for the last week, uh, what we've been seeing from guys who we've heard from. The Mets have been really pushing out media availabilities for players, and I feel like at a kind of a rate that we haven't seen before, we're getting like two or three players a day and really interesting stuff has come out of these. We've gotten, obviously, DeGrom and Alonzo and, and Conforto and McNeils have talked, but we're also getting, uh, like, Lindor, too, clearly. But we're getting, like, Jordan Yamamoto and uh, Kevin Pillar and Sam McWilliams and Joey Lucchese and prospects. We're getting Matt Allen talk to the media, uh, Pete Crow Armstrong talk to the media. So this has been, like, fun to kind of listen to the Mets. They're pushing the personalities, which I'm personally really excited about and I really am enjoying so far. Yeah, I mean, 
you talked about all the prospects. These are the guys that we usually see like on the backfields doing, you know, dirty work kind of drills that aren't obviously going to see the light of day uh, during the regular season. So they're just kind of here to learn and to be mentored by the, the major league staff. But to, to get these guys in front of the media and actually hear them as people and as players, it's, it's fascinating. Like getting a Matt Allen or a Pete Crow Armstrong and, and hearing them talk about what they're learning from Jacob deGrom or, you know, some of the outfielders on the staff and what they've been doing, especially during this really weird offseason. It's been kind of incredible and something we don't usually see from the Mets. Yeah, it's, it's really different, I think, for them to be, especially in the case of PCA, because he's very young. I mean, he's younger than all of us. Uh, so we get to, uh, I think, dive into the mind of, uh, you know, a young player like that. But it's it's a it's a pretty deep market that he's entering with with New York media. And he I mean, he handled himself really, really well that first interview. I didn't expect him not to, so to speak. But also, I've never seen uh, the top prospects get, I think, this sort of spotlight on them. I think it's very important. And I think that they're doing a very good job. I mean, not to mention they're in pretty good company in terms of the players that are in this clubhouse that we know plenty about uh, that they'll evidently be learning a lot from uh, for guys like Matt Allen. That's not only Jacob DeGrom, but that's also uh, Marcus Stroman uh, and Taiwan Walker uh, for guys like Brett Beatty. That's, that's, you know, JD Davis, Pete Alonso. Like it's, 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 it's a really, it's weird to see a network basically. I think that's a good way to describe what we're seeing right now. It's just a network of like exciting different bases and it's refreshing. Yeah, the Mets have never really been a team to like necessarily hide their prospects during spring training. Like I know that every year they get their prospects into some games here and there, like Ronnie Mauricio last year, played a handful of games, whatever, but actually putting them in front of the media, they're kind of like marketing their, their, these prospects that are years away. Like PCA hasn't played a professional game yet. That's obviously due to the pandemic, but he was also, he was drafted in June. He was drafted in June and he's here in big league camp. He said he was shocked that he, he got the call to come to big league camp and that, you know, the Mets made it very clear to him. You're not making the team. Right. This is not, you're not here to win a spot. You're here to learn. You're here to, to get, get a little wet under the ears and to, to get that experience. Put Pete Crow Armstrong out there with Brandon. Nimmo. hell Pete's such a good fielder already that Brandon Nimmo might learn something about playing center field from Pete right. Crow Armstrong. Right. Well, Allen's going to learn from, from DeGrom and Stroman, as you said, he already has, he's been saying that as much. He said so much in his, in his press conference, put Brett Beatty in a room with Michael Conforto and just let him talk about hitting mm -hmm. two guys with plus opposite field power, just with left-handed, like pretty left-handed swings. Just let them talk it out. Like this is a really good thing. Having your, your players in camp and having a good major league roster built up around them with veteran presence with veteran, like high quality veteran leadership nothing but beneficial for these guys. And, yeah. And sorry to cut you off there. So no, go but, ahead, um, go ahead. It, you know, look, hearing these guys speak, hearing the Matt Allen's and the PCA speak, it kind of, it speaks to the draft philosophy that Brody and the old regime had over the last couple of years. These are smart kids. They're, they're young, but they're advanced mentally. They talking about, you know, Matt Allen talking about grips and spin rates and what he can learn from DeGrom about, you know, the elite mentality of a frontline starting pitcher and Pico Armstrong going up there. Obviously we see him on Twitter. He's very socially conscious. Um, but then you, you hear him speak and these, these are just intelligent young kids. And it's, it's something that I think the Mets organization really focused on over the last couple of years. And I, so far so good. 
Yeah. Yep. They're building character and, and they're, they're bringing good humans into the, the team, into the system. They're drafting good people. Like Pete Crow Armstrong seems like, like an incredible person. Yeah. If you follow him on social media, you know the stuff that he cares about. He seems like a great dude. Yeah. Seems like a really great dude, and th- th- these are not the only like good people in the team. Like they are bringing in good humans this off season. They brought in a lot of high character guys. That really, like, came about as clearly during these press conferences. Whereas not just you know the Lindors and the Carrascos who are high character leadership types, but like Jordan Yamamoto, Joey Lucchese, Sam McWilliams. These guys like Taiwan Walker. They seem like high character guys, good teammates. I know. We're excluding Kevin Pillar and, and Jonathan VR from this conversation because from everything I've heard, those guys are kind of dicks. But, like, that's beside the point. Kevin Pillar, honestly, Kevin Pillar's press conference, he seemed totally, like a totally fine. Like, he honestly had me kind of ready to run through a brick wall. He said he was yeah. so excited. But, um, like, VR, we didn't get a press conference from, but I've heard he's a dick. It's regardless. But yeah, the, a lot of these kind of these more depth guys, they just seem like good people, like high-character guys. And I think it's going to, like – really make this a cohesive baseball team. It's a really, really likable baseball team. Yeah. And I think it's going to be a really fun clubhouse for these guys to take part in. Yeah. I think the other good point about it, I mean, you talk about players who uh, I guess we'll say have like dubious character. Like I don't even, I don't necessarily even care about that, so to speak, because for one thing, there was one dubious character who I absolutely didn't want the Mets to get and they didn't get him. So that's fine. We won't name him, but it's done. Trevor Bauer, there, I did it for you. Uh, okay, okay, thank you. Uh, the one that signed with the Dodgers, yes, Trevor yes, Bauer. The, the one yes. who's being paid less uh, than Hollywood by Hollywood than uh, Boss Baby was. Anyway, MLB Ben Shapiro. Uh, yes. Um, and it, <laughs> Mega but, Mike Leak. Right, but I guess what I'm trying to get at more or less is that, you know, having guys on the team that are exciting and you know are great characters and you're really excited to watch play makes it also exciting to watch care like players that and this is I'll give you the, the guy that I've been thinking about a lot the over the past weekend that's Dylan Batances not a bad character at all not at all my my statement here is that oh yeah now all of a sudden bad guys like Dylan but like no he's a great guy but on like obviously I think for us as off-season roster constructors we all probably expected the Mets, if they were going to be competitive, to have cut ties with Dylan Batanzas. But now that I actually like have gotten a sense of the entire team and I've gotten to see everyone back and playing again, and you get to see like Francisco Lindor and you realize that it's a different, it's really a new boss and it's a new environment. It makes watching Batanzas in a bullpen where he's throwing harder than he usually throws. It makes, it even makes that I think a lot more meaningful. Uh, as a, as a Met fan, because what it ultimately tells you about is, you know, everybody is getting better from this. And ev- in, in any case, I think everyone like looks better, but Batances is the guy that for me, like, and also just listening to his press conference, like he, he hit on everything that mattered and you, people forget, like, this is someone who works really, really hard and, uh, you know, went through a lot in 2019 and didn't really get a full shot in 2020. And now, I'm excited to see it. I mean, even stuff like that is 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 fun for me. Dill, I don't know if you have anyone that I think kind of hits that chord with you, but yeah, I mean, it's somebody that it obviously makes a lot of headlines on social media just because of his personality. But I still think a lot of people are, you know, kind of sleeping on 
I don't, I hate that phrase, but they're sleeping on Marcus Stroman. He's, you know, a, a really, really important part of this team. And he's totally bought into the new regime. He accepted the qualifying offer and he's the talisman of good vibes or whatever you want to call him. He's, vibes he's for nine innings. Yeah. Yes. He's going to, he's going to lead the league in vibes per nine innings. And, th- but that's important in spring training when you're trying to imbibe those vibes into 26 other guys, let me spit yeah. some bars. Um, but it, he's, you know, he's going to be the two or three guy in the rotation or three and four when, you know, Syndergaard comes back, but he, he's already taking on that leadership mentoring role. Like we said with Matt Allen, and he's just really, really important from a clubhouse mentality, likability perspective. And it, we've seen that already in spring training and I'm pretty confident that it's going to carry over into the regular season. Right. It's not just dunking on rich staff on Twitter. Like this is a, right. a good major league pitcher. Like, yeah, sure. Rich staff's wife isn't going to come back, but it's more than that. Yeah. 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 He'll, he'll, he'll bring like, it gets better than that. To, you know, it, there's more to it. For sure. High character guys, like they, they elevate their teammates mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that in the past we didn't have a high character clubhouse because this is still the same kind of bread and butter team, but there's a lot of turnover on the roster. Uh, we still have the same kind of core guys we've added to that core and we, but we mostly added depth. So it is, you know, there's like 18 spots that turned over on the 40 man roster, some insanely high number like that. But at the end of the day, it's still most of the same guys who had that great clubhouse the last two years that really healthy. It seemed like from an outside perspective, and from pretty much everything the beat writers wrote about a really healthy clubhouse where there was a lot of fun to be had with, with JD Davis being a weirdo and, and Dom Smith being Dom Smith and, and Michael Conforto being a team leader and DeGrom being Jacob DeGrom, who's like kind of low key funny, apparently. Yeah. And you forget too. That's the other thing. Like we're now at a point where we forget about like other, pl- we forget the guys, like we forget about Pete Alonzo right? Like he, sure. He didn't have the season in 2020 that he had in 2019, but like, what is that? Like the 11th or 12th, like, you know, character on this, on this group. And there are other guys that we haven't even met yet. Like we haven't uh, listened to Albert Almora talk. That's one person who's like extremely well-spoken and well-respected. And he's also very young and exciting in his own way. Like Jacob Barnes, Jeremy Hefner was talking about Jacob Barnes today. Like, did you, did you remember that Jacob Barnes was on the roster? I didn't like, that's a guy that they're, you know, speaking highly of right now. There are a lot of nice, I guess, like Easter eggs on this roster that you get to uh, take apart. It's it's a lot of fun because it's not what I'm used to. Yeah, real quick, Ron, your point about Pete, probably a good thing that there some of the pressure's off Pete, some of the media attention's off Pete because he's coming off not so great of a year, mm-hmm. which came off of a season in which he had to, he was the guy. He had to be the guy. He was unanimous rookie of the year, whatever. 53 home runs. So I think it's for the better that there's some pressure off Pete media wise. Um, but yeah, spread the wealth, spread the wealth, have like play up the characters on this roster. Cause they are a fun team. They're going to be a fun team. They're insanely likable. They're none of the starters on this team are guys where I'm like, ah, kind of don't want to root for you. Like Kevin Pillar, like he had the homophobic slur thing, whatever mm-hmm. that was years ago, but like he's still a fourth outfielder. I mean, even guys like Aaron Loop, who they signed to replace uh, Justin Wilson, coming out in his first press conference saying, hell yeah, I'll start. That, that means I can throw two innings and then go back to the clubhouse and drink beers during the game. Like, that's cool. I want to be his friend. That. That's, it is. It's electric. Like, yeah. I want to be his friend. Yeah. I, I like, 
already forgetting about that. I was reminded like earlier in the week that Jerry Blevins is like in a Met uniform again. Like that's exciting. It's he looks different too, but it's wearing number 26 with just like in like insane flow. Like him and Drew Smith really brought yeah. brought in the flow game. Oh yeah. Drew Smith's gonna be good too, no doubt. I mean Drew Smith's pumping mid 90s apparently already. And he's so handsome. He's so handsome. Very handsome Texas man. Man, we did good in that trade for Lucas Duda. <laughs> if we can trade handsome guy for less handsome guy, that's a win. <laughs> less, less handsome guy who hits uh, less meaningful home runs. Yeah. Yes, incredibly meaningless home runs. Statistically, yeah. among the the you know, he's really really good at hitting completely insignificant home runs. He's One like of the, the all time great garbage time home run kings. Is yeah. he still in the? Is he still in the majors or is he gone? I don't think he's on a roster now. No, he's not even in like the KBO though. No, I wouldn't. He'd be uh, we great in the that. KBO. He would be great. He would mash in the KBO. He went to Japan a few years ago when they had like the MLB NPB like mix up in. I think this was like right before 2015 or maybe after it. But he raked. He could do it. He no, could. that sounds right. He, yeah, when the when the MLB sent guys. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when the MLB sent guys to to Japan, he was the the Mets dude. Yeah. But no, last played for the Royals in 2019. So Lucas Duda, wherever you are, we wish you the best. Keep breaking. Even if even if you're down nine, keep yeah. breaking. What was the what the Instagram, Instagram account? We follow Lucas Duda. We follow Duda. Lucas Duda. Yeah. Well, that clearly, was... clearly no one's following him these days. Yeah. Well, they should be. I mean, but yeah, in the prospect point too, I think is is really important because like, I mean, another prospect that we didn't really talk about, and sure he's not like Pete Crow Armstrong, but like Khalil Lee is someone who's kind of exciting. Like I want to watch Khalil Lee playing games. I want to watch games again. And I want to watch young guys in games again. And they're making a, a, a pretty important point of getting these guys playing time and getting them adjusted to competition. And I'm, I'm, I think really interested in seeing how that turns out. I mean, it wasn't very common the first few years, at least that I remember watching the Mets and, you know, where they would throw a prospect into the fire, really like, Michael Conforto, they did that too. And a year after they drafted him in 2015. And that was, I think in most measures a success, but they haven't really like been as aggressive with that lately, but like Francisco Alvarez is, is, is hitting uh, Ronnie Mauricio has been hitting. Like they just brought JT Jin into camp too. Is it Jin or Gin? Gin. Gin. All right. They brought JT Gin into camp. Like that's. Don't I don't mess know. that up again, Jack. Yeah. Whatever. Okay. You get one chance. Yeah. Okay. Um, or you're off the pod. Yeah, I'm off the pod. <laughs> you guys are independent now. You can, you guys can hire and fire each other whenever you want. Yeah. We, we brought Freddie Benson on the pod today. <laughs> Anything's possible. That's right. Anything's possible. I was thinking about like, like the iCarly thing just for a second. Like if we were to like Dylan being Freddie Benson, but like who, who on Mets Twitter would then be like, would be Spencer or Gibby, you know, I guess Richard staff is Gibby. That's like, yeah. Yeah, sorry, Rich. Rich, if you're listening, sorry. Maybe carry the show. That's fantastic content, right? <laughs> we should definitely let him know we 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 went into this, but. Yeah. Oh my God! Now I'm picturing him. Uh, I don't sure, know. You're, you're picturing him like shirtless, screaming Gibby, aren't you? Or like Rich Staff? Like you would I don't say even Gibby. know what. I don't think anyone even knows what Rich looks like. No, I don't know what Rich no. looks like. He doesn't. He doesn't look like his profile picture. Well, we, not he, like Keith Hernandez. He doesn't look like Keith Hernandez. When I read the tweets, though, I assume I, I read them as though they're coming out of Keith Hernandez's mouth, which is an extremely jarring experience, just given what's what he tweets. But 
I haven't even thought about the kind of like voice that I read his tweets in. They're just so preposterous. Yeah, but he never misses. No, he doesn't. It's not in his DNA. It's ridiculous. He's so consistent. It makes me mad. Wish my content was that good. For sure. But I, new season. We're a little less. This is a little bit of a. If you guys can't tell, this is a little bit less of a structured episode. We. I mean, it's just, we're talking. <laughs> We're talking spring training. We're talking base. We're talking the Mets with Dylan Hornig. It's great. Spring training is a very uh, nebulous kind of thing. Anyway, yeah, it is. I, there's the nice not thing about it is that we're gonna get baseball games on Tuesday, right? And that's like, I mean, I'm not gonna get to see this game because I have a class that starts at 1:10 and ends at four o'clock. So I will not be taking part in the festivities. But like, that's an opportunity for everyone to just like make the good jokes. I mean, t- mean like you know, Tim Tebow not being there makes it a little bit harder to pour to one out funny stuff. But you know. God carry him now. Yeah, it's. Well, I'm excited for that first game. Jordan Yamamoto is going to pitch. We're. I'm going to make it my mission to ha- uh, make Mets Twitter call him Yams. I like Yammer. It's in his Yammer, name, isn't it? Yammer. I like Yams. Reminds me of Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's See, decent. You, know, you you do you. Team Yams. Team Yams, Yams 2021. Sam's got the Yams. Yeah, that's Sam Yams. Can yam we get a yams. hashtag? Can we get a hashtag Yams on PGE 2021? Let's so the guy that'll really catch on. We oh, got clearly. guys pitching on Monday though, who I wish we were watching too. I mean, guys, we haven't even gotten to talk about yet. In fact, I think almost all of these guys, because I'm looking at it now, guys, we haven't gotten to like hit on like Harold Gonzalez. Harold. Harold. No one talks guy. about Harold ever. Uh, Sean Reed Foley is like. I mean, that's one such acquisition that the Mets haven't really been like talking about at all. Um, Riley Gilliam, that's, he's going to be pitching after Reed Foley does in that game. Like that's another dude who he's probably their best option among like homegrown relief uh, depth right now, because they traded Steven Valines for Ariel Hurado. Uh, Trevor Hildenberger is pitching that game too. I love, I just want to say like, I, I, I love Trevor, Trevor Hildenberger. He's just, He's great. He's great. He's a great follow. He's a guy that we absolutely got to get on the podcast. Like, absolutely. I'm surprised he hasn't been already, to be honest. We yeah. got to get Trevor Hildenberger on the on the podcast. But, I mean, side armors in general are always wacky. I mean, the Mets so. have had, like, a dearth of side armors over the last few years. They haven't been a, a, a ton, right? Right. Any? None, think- none, none since former guy remembered on this podcast, Greg Burke. I think, or I can't remember any since him. Well, they've tried with a few guys. I mean, I remember and Ben we, Rowan, who we ben also Rowan, remember. right? Ben Rowan was, I think, the last sidearm submarine dude that they really gave a shot to. I mean, yeah, it's. I'm really trying to think. Well, they have Stephen Tarpley, doesn't he throw sidearm? And it's like a high three quarter. Yeah, it's like a three quarter. Three quarters. I always just, like mistake three quarters for sidearm for some freaking reason. But Tarpley- Zamora is kind of the same arm slot too. Yeah, Seawald was like that also. I always thought Seawald threw sidearm, but he just gets like really far down the mound. Well, Villains was the closest guy we had, and now besides uh besides Hildy, it's it's friend of the pod Josh Hedgeka. That's right. By the way, by the way, Josh was telling me his velocity is up in bullpens. He's throwing in the the mid to upper eighties now, which is great. That's pretty good. Um, as a submariner, that, love to see it. That's you know that's significant for a submariner. Uh, if he's touching cheddar, and he's still like growing, like he's still like developing as a player too. I mean, oh. that's the other thing that's always exciting. He's not like this isn't like Darren O'Day showing up and 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 putting a few and you know miles per hour on his velocity. Like this is a very this is a very pro Josh Hedgeka podcast. 
Yeah, we yes. love. He's different. We love different. I mean, I wish you know, I wish he hadn't beaten my uh, my team in the Centennial Conference Championship, but I have get to over it. <laughs> yeah, I have to get over it. Get over it. Anyways, as you were saying, so we get Harold on uh, on Monday tomorrow today. If you're listening on Monday, right? Uh, then Sean Ride Foley, then Riley Gilliam, who is going to pitch the majors this year, God willing, because I think I think he's going to be fine. Uh, major league middle reliever. Then we get Hildy. And then to round it out, we're getting Stephen Tarpley and Thomas Sapuki, a pair of left-handers, uh, both on the 40-man. I'm really um, interested to see what Zapucky, uh, Zapuki. I don't know how you pronounce it. I'm pretty uh, sure it's Zapucky. Zapucky? I've yeah, always said Zapucky. If it were UK, I think it would be like you'd have like a European pronunciation or something. But Either way, I'm really excited. Yes. In- interested? Not excited necessarily. Intrigued to see what he's got after the injuries. Yeah. Yeah. He, I think the ceiling is more reliever now than starter. Cause man, when he was in Brooklyn before the, uh, before the Tommy John, he looked like the, the, you know, the next, the next best thing since sliced bread, that dude was throwing cheddar and he had this monster hook of a curveball yeah. from the left side. He was striking out like, I don't know, a dozen guys per nine in Brooklyn, like some, some high number for Brooklyn. Like he looked really exciting. Then he got hurt. There were back injuries, I think. And, and now it's more, it's like 91 to 93 from the left side. The curveball is still pretty good, but the control's not like he's on the 40 man, but you know, I'm not really expecting him to be like, not really expecting there to be much upside left there besides maybe like a decent left-handed reliever, but we'll, we'll see. I'm excited to, to see, you know, get the reports on, on how he, how he goes tomorrow in Jupiter and, and, and all that. I think Steven Tarpley is an interesting name for the bullpen because he's his slider, his curveball slider, whatever you want to call it. It's kind it's of it's like name. borderline elite. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the stat cast metrics on that are like off the charts. He just again is a guy who just like can't throw strikes and the fastball's not not nearly as effective as it needs to be, but there's upside there. They claimed him from the Marlins. There's upside there. And I'm I'm again another person like all the depth guys in the bullpen, like Gilliam, Tarpley, Sam McWilliams, there's just like a bunch of guys, Drew Smith, that I want to see pitch. Yeah. Well, especially like the lefty options, losing Justin Wilson, signing Aaron Luke, but then behind them you have Blevins and you have Tarpley, and then you have, I guess, Zipucky. But, like, it's a lot of, like, moderately decent and to high. And Zamora. So, like, you have, like, a bunch of decent upside guys and Jerry Blevins, who, like, is kind of a known commodity. Mm-hmm. But, like, they all have something, like, really weird or, like, borderline very good elite about them. It's a slider or a hook or, like, you know, just general upside. It's, it's, it's fun. Yeah. There's also Mike Montgomery, who's probably, like – bottom of that list of guys but he's also somebody who throws like a pretty good hook too like you're getting a good network of pitchers together who come from I think different organizations and also different like they're all of different ages too they've all seen a lot of different things they all get to work amongst each other on different things like that's definitely I think something that we for we we tend to take for granted when players are brought in like it's not just like a veteran presence in the clubhouse thing right because like people thought Jason Vargas was going to be a veteran presence in the clubhouse and then he was a a threat in the clubhouse um but you you do have like that opportunity to like get guys in a clubhouse together in a bullpen together working on things hashing them out I mean even Jeremy Hefner who's like the the genius behind all this and Jeremy Accardo for that matter these are guys who pitched pretty recently in baseball terms. Like I'm pretty sure Ricardo didn't leave the league until like 2012 or something. And Hefner is Hefner. Like we, we go way back with Jeremy Hefner. So it's, it's nice like that. I mean, that's just, 
God, it's, we got a month of that. Even if there's no real baseball, like it's still, you get to learn a lot more about the players, which. Yeah, like Arodis Viscaino is a Met. Yeah. Yeah. That's so weird. Is, is that weird? It's so weird. Alex Smith well, is a Met. We were talking about sidearms. We completely forgot that Aaron Loop is a sidearmer. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Side armored brew drinking opener yeah. lefty. Nice chill, chill dude. My kind of guy. Yeah, the Mets are kind of like low-key doing what the Rays did in terms of bullpen last year. When you remember those those graphics that Fox would run during the during the playoffs about how the Rays bullpen, it's like a clock. They have guys coming from all, all different arm angles. The Mets are kind of maybe kind of doing that a little bit themselves. There's guys who throw, you know, straight over the top, like Tommy Hunter's pretty much straight over the top. He was a guy who can make this this bullpen. You got guys coming from all sorts of angles, high three yeah. quarters from both sides. I think I think the thing is the Rays have the uh, framework, the front office framework and the player development framework to make it work. I'm not totally convinced that the Mets 100% know what they're doing with all of these guys yet. I guess time will tell, but like the, the Rays knew exactly what they were doing, picking up all of these guys. It seems like the Mets kind of were just copying what other smart teams were doing, at least definitely with Sam McWilliams, because it came out that they were literally just doing what everybody else was trying to do. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not necessarily a bad. No, it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing, but I, <laughs> it's a bad thing if you're doing things that the smart teams are doing, but then you don't know what to do once you sign those players, which right. we it's have no clue if they do or don't yet. It has a very like small window of rewards, but you actually need to get like a good framework in there and get like good analytics guys in there, which I trust. I mean, I trust the guys to do. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I I don't want to, like, veer us off track here. Uh, I also – because the offseason's over, right? Uh, so it's it, it really doesn't stand – we don't stand to gain anything anymore from, like, telling the Mets to do things, really, because, like, the roster is what the roster is. But one thing that I really hope happens, especially because they keep showing me pictures of him and getting me excited about him, like – they just, I, I don't know, man. They, they need to extend Francisco Lindor. It's, it's, I'm a little bit like, I'm not pissed about this. I think it's awesome that he's out there and that the Mets are showing everyone that they have him. You need to show us that we're going to keep having him too. Because uh, right now it's, it's a lot of, I think, very like, you know, short-term gratification, but also just, I don't know, give him the bag. I, I, I still want to see them do that. Yeah, yeah, I was well, thinking, well, Sam, go first. I was just gonna say, yeah, let's talk about it, because uh, that's, I mean, his uh, his his um, press conference to open spring training really was uh, pretty pretty eye opening in terms of there were some revelations. Um, also, just uh, he's an electric factory so far. The shoe stuff with New Balance is, is great. The the photos he's been dropping on his Instagram are great, and the uh, the coming to America Mets jacket, th- amazing, amazing. And that's not the type of thing that you do. I feel like maybe I'm reading too much into it. That's not the type of thing you do if you're not planning on kind of maybe possibly staying long term. No, I That's mean, like, there there have been plenty of guys that get traded in their walk year uh, and then end up going to free agency, and they, they don't do stuff like that. Now, maybe it's because it's not a major media market like New York is, and maybe it's because it's not, they're not always so close to contention like the Mets are. But you don't do stuff like that if you think you're going to walk at the end of the year. 
I think he's buying in. I think he's buying into this team, into the culture. And I think he's buying in. I just, it's more so I just want to see the Mets really buy in and put a stamp on this thing. Cause right now it's, I'm still just like, I mean, Zach Wheeler was leaving was probably the, the worst thing we've experienced in the last four years, which isn't as bad as it's been for like the Rockies, for instance, like they're just tearing down every good thing that comes along. But, uh, I really just don't want to lose another good guy to free agency. I want all these guys around. And especially with what's happened the last week, like I just really want Lindor to stay. I want to know for sure that this is going to like, these feelings are going to stick because these are really good feelings. As Marcus Stroman would say, keep the, the, I can't speak. Wow. Keep the good vibes rolling. Quote now you can't give the quote. You just, it wasn't even a quote. I was just going to say something he would say. I was going to say, keep the good vibes rolling. But I made a fool oh, of myself. Yeah. Yeah, you did. Shame. Yeah. Maybe I should quit the podcast. Yeah. I'm gonna He fired himself. We're we're actually doing, we're actually bringing you on as an <laughs> was this an audition? This is recruiting. Uh and whoever like has the hardest time adjusting to podcast guests is going to get axed. And the guest that we like most is gonna get their spot. So this is like when when Francesa retired on the fan. And they had Chris Christie fill in for like a week. And he took a whole bunch of calls and everybody was just screaming at him about his politics. Yeah. And he didn't get the, that's going to be me. I'm the Chris Christie of this podcast. We're going to get calls from, uh, <laughs> what was it he said? He was like, I love getting calls from communists in Montclair. Yeah. He actually said over the airwaves, which was great. This was like a regular dude who called into WFAN too, who just called in this one time to make a completely non-sports related point. He's just like, Chris Christie, I hate you. You suck. Why are you on the beach? Why are you closing the bridge? And, you know, Chris Christie just couldn't handle it. But I, that was a weird phase in sports radio because that took a while and they never really settled after Mike left. Like, Well, yeah, Mike leaves and then they do the Carlin, Maggie and Bart thing, which was kind of bad and then got decent and they got rid of Bart and they got rid of Carlin and then they moved Maggie and they shuffled around. And now we have Craig Carton in the afternoons. Which is well, Mike came back too. That yeah, was oh, yeah, Mike came back and then Mike, Mike left. Mike, like, Mike couldn't handle it, he could not stand. Well, you're, you're falling asleep behind the microphone, yeah. retire. Yeah, basically. I mean, that was that was pretty well. I have a question. Yeah, do you guys ever think that when the Giants are in town, do they ever, you know, get lunch? <laughs> do they? Do the San Francisco Giants ever get like, you know, have a meal with the, the New York Giants? Is that a thing that you ever happens? If Isaiah Thomas and Isaiah Thomas ever meet up, you, you think they, they have lunch? Do you think, do you think uh, Isaiah puts the smaller Isaiah like on his shoulders in case he's <laughs> his son? Do you think Jason Giambi? Yeah, Jason Giambi <laughs> should be the next uh, governor or mayor or whatever it was. Do you remember when that one guy like called in and was, he basically asked Mike if the Knicks after i think this was after they fired Derek fisher so it's like five years ago and he was just like what do you think about the knicks hiring vince lombardi yeah who've been dead for 50 years and doesn't coach basketball <laughs> my, my favorite- friends and i my friends and i literally we just sometimes when we're bored we'll just watch clip like hot like um compilations of people prank calling mike francesca mike yeah. francesca Francesca, like, chicken Francesca. You know what? I'm clearly not having a good day. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're not having a pleasant good evening. I said the name of the podcast. You're welcome. Roll credits. Oh man, just it's what this we have devolved. We're not even talking about the Mets anymore. Dylan, what's your favorite breed of dog? <laughs> you know, I was thinking about the husky, but huskies shed a lot. 
from what I understand. Mine is the pug. You're a pug guy. Interesting. You see, um, I relate to them. I they have so much going on. You know, <laughs> it's, it's a lot. Breed a dog that like aren't supposed to exist because it's like biologically unfeasible. Like the yeah. whole breathing thing where they're like, <laughs> <laughs> that's not. Yeah. <laughs> Like that's 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 like that's them struggling to breathe. You they, you know that um if so you take cute. if you take a pug on an airplane you can't have it like sometimes you can put pets with like the luggage and like the the stowaway area you can't do that with the pugs because it's not pressurized. You have to have the pugs in the in the with the passengers because it's pressurized. Otherwise, <laughs> the bug eyes will like pop explode. Out. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Oh my god. Yeah, I love the plight of uh, domesticated animals. It's great. We're all Jewish here, so I can say this. Pugs are the Jews of dogs. They just, they are. Fair. Harsh, but fair. It's all that, con- you know, congenial health issues. <laughs> I dropped out of <laughs> misunderstood. Right. This might have been the thing I didn't learn about, but, you know. I don't know. We should probably get back to baseball. <laughs> I, I forgot guess, about baseball yeah, for, for like a second. Bit. Not even there's not even a chance that this is getting cut. This is running. Like when I post the episode, I'm this is yeah, it's too good. I think it's good. It's I think it's, it's different, but I think we needed to blow off steam anyway because baseball's coming. Like this has been a ridiculously long off season, and also, also, I guess this helps us get back on track. Uh, people are going to be allowed to go to baseball games this year. Like it's going to be twenty percent capacity at least in Florida. And it is Florida, so we can't guarantee that. I mean, didn't somebody already, like, as we're recording this, get ejected from a Phillies game because they were throwing beers? Like, someone is already. I didn't see that. Someone's already in Clearwater, Florida, maskless, uh, making an ass of themselves. Like, this is going to be an experiment, but it is in the cards. Like, if we wanted to go into Florida right now, we'd probably have to pay a lot of money and pay for these tickets in advance. But you could go see a Mets spring training game at limited capacity, which, uh, I mean, I'm not about to, like, celebrate until we're at a point where I don't have to worry about my going to a game making someone else sick. Uh, but it's on the table. I mean, it's – it's we're at the point now, a year out from this – I mean, we're March 2021, right? Like, a year since this all kind of, like – shoved us inside and to some degrees we are making it out and we are getting ready to I mean I'm just the other thing about this is just like I'm so excited to eventually be able to go back to a Mets game hopefully at full capacity because that's going to be like I think the first full capacity game is going to be the kind of thing that people talk about uh experiencing the way people experience like any opening day or even like games that are played like after tragedy because it's just been so long since we've gotten to experience that i don't know i've been talking a lot but i don't know what you guys think of that no i i agree with you i think if you look at the the way the vaccine's rolling out they're starting to really make some progress and now that the the third vaccine the johnson johnson vaccine is going to kind of flood the market a little bit uh those rates are going to like start improving and it's maybe not feasible given the, the time between doses uh, for the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccines, but there's a scenario in which we're starting to kind of teeter back towards normalcy by the, like the all-star break and things are going to be a lot safer by then. And so the first kind of games that we're going to maybe feel comfortable going to are might be in the middle of like a playoff run, right? which is going to be electric. Yeah, I mean, I think a, a little 
I don't want to say more realistic because I would like to think that that's realistic, but I think a little more conservative estimate could be like the one of the first full capacity games back at City Field is the 20th anniversary of 9-11, which yeah. would be, I mean, I think Queens would just simply sink into the Atlantic Ocean at that point. Yeah. If yeah, like your first or second full capacity game back is the 20th yeah. anniversary of September 11th. Yeah. Right and City Field's been like a vaccine site for I not that long, only over like a month, but it is, I think, become a little bit symbolic in some ways of, of recovery. And, uh, you know, I'm not a resident of Queens, so I can't I can't fully speak to, I think, what getting games back there would mean. I mean, ideally, we would be offering vaccines there until everyone that needs to get vaccinated has been vaccinated. Like I would rather games be played at 0% capacity uh, with off time being used for facility purposes to continue vaccinating people. And then when everyone's ready, we do this thing. Otherwise you're gonna have all sorts of, I think social and also community issues around that. But yeah, to think that we will at some point get to that like juncture in the in the getting back from getting normalcy taken away from us like that's that's really exciting and I don't know I mean it's probably going to take a while to settle in we'll probably also still need to wear masks to these games by then like I don't think we're going to be at a point where we can act like it's 2016 or 2017 until like you know, maybe the middle of 2022, maybe not even that. I mean, I'm again, this is the doomsday side of it, but it's, yeah, I just, I can't wait to like experience City Field again. Me too. We can kind of, you know, people are starting to be kind of uh, not necessarily optimistic, but they're starting to kind of buy into the fact that there is reason to be optimistic. Yeah. Uh, Things are starting to pick up in the vaccine regard, and, and before long, we'll, we'll be at like 100 million people vaccinated because I think we're at like 60 or 70 right now, and we're, we're getting like, we're going to be close to 3 million vaccinated per day really soon because mm-hmm. uh, that, that number keeps, I think we had like 2.4 million like vaccinated today, and that number keeps ticking up little by little every day. And the so cases before, are going down, yeah. Yeah, it is starting to, to slow the spread, and you know, it, it works. This stuff works, so you know, maybe, maybe this is our little uh, soapbox telling, telling you guys, if you're listening, if, you, if you're on the fence about getting the vaccine, go get it. Don't be selfish. Go get it for yourself or others. Go get it. Microchip is already in your phone. Just get the vaccine. Yes. I can't wait to get chipped personally. I'm, I already got chipped. What, I, didn't what, get vac- I didn't get vaccinated. I just got chipped just preemptively. <laughs> what flavor? I have, I have <laughs> friends. Like it's, it's kind of cool. I have friends my age here at school, like who don't really have serious health problems like at all. Like they seem, as far as I know, they're just like kind of normal. Like they have, they're fully vaccinated already. And I'm like, whoa, that's, I'm yeah. jealous first of all, but like really good for you. Yeah. And more and more of that, please. We, uh, we should probably, I think, unveil the mailbag question now that we're sort of into it because baseball is coming back. And because- yes. we haven't done a mailbag question in a minute. We haven't so. in a long time, but I think this is a good point for us to actually like, go back to giving mailbags we want to know uh tell us in the comments we'll 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 put it out there on twitter by the time you're listening to this uh what's the one thing you're most excited to do when you get back to city field uh post covid whenever that is um, i've got my answer already but please I please mine, i don't i don't actually know what mine is but yeah 
please, uh, you know, give us that sweet, sweet engagement and, uh, and respond to that tweet. And, and you might get a, you might get a shout out next week. I mean, uh, I know, I know what mine is. What is yours? You want to tell us or do you want to save it? I think I'm going to save it. Yeah. I'm going to keep it under wraps and I'll give you guys the sweet engagement that the oh, likes and retweets you so desperately crave you oh, heathens. Yeah. Please. Yeah. We, will. we need it. We need sustenance in terms of likes and retweets and comments. Yeah. On that note, let's remember some guys, shall we? All right. Dylan, as, as you know, you are a friend of the podcast. You know, probably at this point that every week, Jack and I like to remember a couple of former Mets and, you know, as someone who's very online like yourself, you're familiar with the concept of remembering guys. And so we, we are working on rosters for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and today we'll be our 25th guys each remembering guys, if we're doing our math right. And so we're rounding out our rosters today. And so I kind of made my, my pick with that informing my decision. But you are the guest, Mr. Hornick. So please, will you start us off? Tell us who you are remembering today. Wow. I'm just going to go out right here, right now. I'm going to say it's an honor to be the first uh, guy to go up to remember some guys for your 25th guy to remember. It's a lot of remembering, but um, it's an honor. It really is. I'm going to remember very, very strongly uh, Wilson Valdez, uh, shortstop, utility dude. Um, He... He's such a, a – I don't even know what to what to say. He didn't even hit a homer. He's, he, yeah, you know what? He's pretty much a solid guy. He missed the 2006 and 2008 seasons, uh, played 05 in San Diego, was a White Sox and a, and a Mariner before that. Um, 05 in San Diego, 07 with the Dodgers, 2009 with the Mets, where he hit a robust 256 with seven RBI in 41 games, and from there had an illustrious career in Philadelphia, played just about 215 games over two seasons and finished his very, very, very important career uh, at the age of 34 with Cincinnati, where he hit, again, zero home runs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's- yeah he, if I recall, uh, he had a very, very similar throwing motion to Jose Reyes. Yes, that's correct. He absolutely did. And, uh, and he, he pitched a little bit, maybe not for the Mets, maybe for the Phillies, but he was definitely a position player pitcher at one point. Yes. Uh, 2011, uh, his only career pitching appearance, uh, he pitched an inning for the Philadelphia Phillies, uh, faced four batters, had a 6.03 fit, uh, hit a guy, mm. um, and finished the game. So good for him. I he, think he did it all. I think I remember that game. And the only reason I say I remember that game is because I'm pretty sure what the Phillies did that day that he pitched uh, was they put Roy Oswalt in left field and they did like switch arounds, but a ball got hit to Roy Oswalt. Uh, I'm pretty sure he caught it. I, I think he, I'm like 90% sure he caught it. And like everyone at Citizens Bank Park went nuts. That's another place I want to go to soon to Citizens Bank because I've never been there. I go to school like 20 minutes outside Philly, but I want to see that. You see, now you've got me. Now you've got me remembering Phillies pitchers in left field, and now I'm remembering Vince Velasquez making like right. a diving catch. Yeah, he threw a guy out at home, I think, or something like yeah. that. Yeah, or he or, like made a throw so good that he stopped a guy from trying to score. Right, something like that. I think he also made like a sliding. Ah, man, why are we remembering Phillies? Pitchers are sneaky good athletes. Yeah, 
yeah, yeah. I mean, they, it takes a lot of athletic strength to uh, throw the ball as hard as you do. And it, it's not just an arm thing either. Like you have to have a lot of lower body strength to do that. Like if you're not following Marcus Stroman on Twitter, he explains a lot of this pretty well. Uh, it's a lot of balance that goes into that and balance takes strength. So definitely uh, thank you. Speaking, speaking of pitchers. Yeah. Who's your guy? Speaking of pitchers. I was, I was, I was going through my roster pregame because we got it all in this Google doc here we got. And I was looking at, you know, the pitching staff and I realized I only have four starting pitchers. So I need a, I need an ACE to remember some guys with. And so I decided to bring it right back to where I started. On the edge remembering of my seat guys, here. as I always do. First, hmm. I'm on the edge of my seat. Yeah. First guy I ever remembered was, was Corey Sullivan on this podcast. 2009 Met. 2009 Mets are a treasure trove yeah. of guys to remember. 2009 to 20 to 2014 is really the, the black hole. Yeah. Yes. But in keeping with, you know, Dylan just remembered a guy who was on that 2009 roster, you know, keeping it, keeping it, you know, right in my wheelhouse with that 09 roster. I'm remembering Tim Redding. Oh man. Yes. Oh. Yes. So he, he's going to be my ace on this, on this. Remember some guys roster I got working. And I'm, I was honestly shocked that we hadn't remembered him already because he is such a good guy to remember. Oh man, dude! So good I'm to just look up his stats, but I am already guessing that he averaged under five strikeouts per nine. <laughs> oh, we, well, this is a good one. He another Met whose career ended as a Met, uh, two thousand nine. Oh, five point seven strikeouts per nine. So that's ridiculous. He yeah. He was a so he's a Rochester, New York native, which is about an hour fifteen minutes away from me. Mm-hmm. Uh, looked like he was up in this area for for pretty much all of his you know sem, uh, his uh, pre professional life. He was an Astro for four years, where then he went to the Padres, was traded to the Yankees mid season in two thousand five. Did not pitch in 06. He was a National in 07 and 08. Uh, had a decent ish half season with the Nats in 07. And then came to the Mets. He made 17 starts and 13 relief appearances uh, for the Mets. Had a 5.10 ERA, went three and six, threw 120 innings, which is probably about 80 or so more innings than he had any business throwing for that team. Uh, an ERA plus of 80, which is as uh, you know below average, not good. A FIP of 508. So he was pitching right at his his skill level. 510 ERA, 508 FIP. Yeah. And he had a hell of a beard doing it too. Yeah, he did. He was bald. He was one of those, uh, he was bald guy, giant beard guy wrapped up in one. No, that was, he was, he was interesting. Oh, nine was just like everyone who shouldn't have been playing had to play because everyone who should have been playing got hurt. I remember I, last night, I remembered a guy very heavily on the timeline. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember, I remember junior Spivey. Uh, very strongly last night and he was actually in spring training with the 2009 Mets he was he was and got cut but it, that was that kind of year yeah that that is like yeah I could see that god junior Spivey that's like yeah just so many guys so many guys I gotta remember my guy um all right do you guys remember uh when when the Mets promoted Matt Reynolds and People were like excited about that. Me included. Yes, absolutely. Like, sure. Another I handsome man. That there was a point, say what you want about the Mets farm system uh, under Sandy Alderson, because it was objectively good 
um, getting the Mets where they needed to get in 2015. But that was almost entirely pitchers. That was Michael Conforto and a whole crop of pitchers who were really good. And the next best hitter behind Conforto uh, in terms of like readiness, because Dom Smith was still like 19 at this point and Ahmed Rosario was still very young too. So the next like available dude was Matt Reynolds, who was more or less touted as like a, I mean, I shouldn't be like totally unfair to the guy. Like he wasn't a top 100 prospect. It wasn't like a huge deal or a huge bust or anything like that, but he definitely was a glove first guy that the Mets tried to like make into a two hitter uh, and like plug around the infield the way Jeff McNeil has been now. But I'm remembering that Reynolds. Did, am I bugging or did they carry him on a playoff roster? They did. Cause before, when, he, made, b- before he made his debut, right? Yeah. He never played yeah. in the playoffs, but it was Tejada got his leg broken. Uh, and they brought and him then, in. Yeah, and then Wilmer right. Flores became the starting shortstop. So they needed a backup shortstop, and they were so thin for depth. And I guess they didn't want to uh, promote Dilson Herrera, so they promoted yeah. Matt And Rock. even weirder at that point than the Royals in the World Series did the exact same thing. Yeah, with, with, uh, with Adalberto Mondesi. Who was going by Raul Jr. at that point. But yeah, right. Adalberto Mondesi, he, he had his first career at bat in the World Series. But the, the story that I think Matt Reynolds is most remembered for is when he came up was it for a double header in uh, in Cincinnati or was he just he caught a late flight from Vegas or something? He was running on like no sleep and he had a home run in Cincinnati and it was like a thing. Oh yeah, that was the he hit two homers that game, I think. Maybe, yeah. Cuz yeah, but he did come on no sleep, I'm pretty sure. Man, it is such a it's such a a pleasant good evening, but it's a, a it's a privilege I want to say to not have the Triple A team in Vegas anymore. Yeah. I mean, for a lot of reasons. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sleep, being players being able to travel and not have to worry about catching red eyes to, mm-hmm. to meet the team cross country, um, chief among them. Yeah. Also, you know, they're, they're uh, 10 minutes down the road from me. So, yeah. And they also got, I mean, Cashman Field was kind of like not well taken care of at all. Like the players nope. hated playing in it. It was a weird, like, altitude setup where it was basically impossible to pitch yeah very similar to cores and that the Mets were just carrying dudes on the triple a roster like making starts every fifth day who had like eras above six but they like didn't care because it's vegas yeah, yeah and like they didn't at least for a couple of years they didn't want to put all those top guys like the cinder guards and stuff in triple a for too long because it you don't want a guy like that to pitch to a seven era and then come right. up to the bigs as a top 30 prospect Damn, right. I do remember that. I, he might have even gotten hurt in Vegas, like when they had him there briefly in 2015. Right. Like it was just so unpalatable. He homered there. He went straightaway center in like Albuquerque. I remember that, I which checked. was something. But that's beside the point. It's certainly been an episode, hasn't it, fellas? We've gone everywhere, haven't we? 26 <laughs> episodes. This one is definitely our most adventurous. <laughs> Talking about Mike Francesa, we talked about dogs, pugs, whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's been an episode. But at the end of the day, fellas, spring training, we got games. We got got games games today. You got games on your phone? We got games on the TV on Tuesday. And the radio. Yes, that too. Uh, But yeah, it's exciting. And and I I can't wait. So Dylan Hornick, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. You're officially a friend of the pod. And we we are stoked to have had you on. And we hope to have you on again sometime soon. Fellas, it was a pleasure. Very, very honored to be here.
best of luck tomorrow or I guess today starting the job. Also, thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'm excited. Shout out BetMGM, the uh, the king of sports books. That's what we call ourselves. Well, we're very excited for you. And, uh, you know, give Dylan a follow on Twitter if you haven't. It's underscore Hornick underscore is his at. And, uh, the you know, catches tweets at BetMGM too. I am already following that because I'm, I'm a friend. Uh, so go do that. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, for, uh, for Jack Hannon and for Dylan Hornick, uh, my name is Sam Lewitz. It's been an episode, and Mets fans, have a pleasant good evening. Mm-hmm.